Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. Tonight, we have a return guest in Scott Reimer, who you can follow on Twitter at Tiger Pregame. I'm going to turn it over now to our moderator, Matthew, as he continues to introduce our guest. Je- Jeff, uh, it looks like Scott has joined the room. Do you need to invite him to speak? Is that how, how that works? Because I don't, I'm not sure if he has joined the room yet or not. Can you tell? Can you tell, Jeff? Yeah, I've just invited ah, Scott as a speaker. There he is live. All right, Scott's with us. Scott, we're we're so happy to have you with us tonight. You can you can follow Scott on Twitter at at Tiger Pregame. That's at Sc- Scott Reimer. And again, that's at Tiger Pregame. He joins us by way of TigerPregameShow.blogspot.com. He hosts the Tiger Pregame Show on WCCP 105.5 FM in the in the upstate of South Carolina. Welcome back, Scott. It's been a long time. I've, I've usually when I've been on this call on on this uh, on this preview, we've had a couple of Clemson, couple of Clemson alums, but our friend James is delayed tonight, and you know I've happened to been on vacation the last couple times, and so it's been a Clemson threesome. So the Virginia Tech guy is back in the house. Welcome, welcome back here, Scott. Before we start, anything you want to plug? The floor. Right, Scott, I've invited you um, as a speaker. Uh, so while we wait for Scott to uh, come in as a speaker, over the last couple weeks, we have um, some interesting news out of out of Wimbledon, actually. Uh, former Georgia Tech tennis star, all ACC player, and all American Chris Eubanks has has made it into the quarterfinals, and he's he's on a Cinderella run here. Uh, the the only American left in the tournament. Um, the only uh, remaining player who played collegiately in the U.S. Uh, yes, we can uh, see you, Scott, as a listener, but we uh, do not have you yet as a speaker. And I have just invited you. You're invited as a speaker. So you should see that on your phone. All right, yeah, Chris has uh, made it into the quarterfinals, and he's playing uh, the number three seed Wednesday, uh, Daniel Medvedev. And, yeah, it's been a tremendous run for the former Georgia Tech player. And, Matthew, while we're waiting on Scott, how was that vacation, sir? (laughs) It was kind of it was hustling from from graduation party to graduation party to rehearsal 
it was more of just running, running the running the room here. Now we've got another. It looks like Tiger pregame. Friend, are you here with us? I, I, I'm trying my best. Can we you got gotcha! you. There we go. There we go. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We're thrilled to heck to have you back here, man. We're thrilled. I was just, hey. I was just, I was just telling you know, I was just telling Jeff that it, usually I'm on vacation when uh when when they have the Clemson podcast. I've you know, it's just happened that way the last couple of years, and I'm thrilled to be back in the seat with you tonight. Usually you have three Clemson along sitting here previewing Clemson football, but James. Is, J J James got delayed tonight, and I'm I'm in the house here as the Virginia Tech guy. I think it's been three years since I've two or three years since I've talked to you, Scott. So I'm thrilled to uh, to have you have you back here. And we we mentioned here before that you know you, we can you can, we can follow Scott Reimer on Twitter at, at Tiger Pregame. He joins us by way of the Tiger Pregame Show at Blogspot.com. He hosts the Tiger Pregame Show on WCCP 105.5 FM in the Upstate of South Carolina. Before we start, Scott, is there anything that you want to plug? Well, I appreciate that. It's it's an honor to be here. It, this is always the time of year when I get to join uh, this podcast that I, I start to turn the page to the football season. You know, you go through the summer and you're kind of decompressing from the basketball and baseball and all that. And, and this is the official turn of the page to football season. And I'm excited to be here and, and join in some conversation about the 2023 uh, Clemson football season, of course, but uh, uh, of course in the Atlantic coast conference, you, you hit it all uh, at tiger pregame is the Twitter daily content coming out about uh, historic um, moments in Clemson history and, 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 and so forth. And then of course, uh, on game day, if you're, uh, a Clemson fan, or if you're just a football fan and you want to get ready for a game day, the Tiger pregame show is always on the roar 1055, uh, six hours prior to kickoff until three hours prior to kickoff, whenever kickoff may be on that particular day. And we'd love to have you also the YouTube channel is uh Tiger pregame show on that as well. So plenty of ways to get in touch, but Beyond all that, I'm just excited to be here and talk football. Well, before we get to football, Fred, I do want to ask you about your thoughts on the finish by the 2022-2023 Clemson men's basketball team because Brad Brownell kind of maybe perhaps has to be feeling some some uh, moments here on the seat. Well, he's yes, he's felt those moments. Uh, it, I, this was a very um, – uh, a typical year, at least in the Brad Brown era, uh, Brownell era, in that we had a moment where, of course, even into early February, where Clemson was at the top of the Atlantic Coast Conference standings. It was a very good start in the conference. It was a bad start in the non-conference, and that was really the undoing in many respects, the non-conference performance by the Tigers in terms of getting into the NCAA tournament. Uh, but it was it was a time where where there was some enthusiasm uh, in Little John Coliseum. There were a couple of big games where um, you know Clemson, who is always a people say Clemson don't uh, Clemson fans don't support basketball. That's not true. But Clemson fans uh, won't support bad basketball. You know they, they 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 if you've got a good product, they'll come and they'll be energetic. And there was a time where Brownell's group was doing that. You know Hunter Tyson. Uh, uh, you know, ha had a great year for the Tigers, uh, and it was clicking at, at some points offensively. It could score a lot of points. Um, 
it was, uh, you know, a, a time when you saw some guys like Chase Hunter at point guard uh, kind of emerge as, as a, a true point guard. It's been a while since Clemson's had that. P.J. Hall, of course, uh, a great uh, season as well. And his return, I think, will be will be big for 2024 or 23-24. But, it was, you know, Clemson won 14 games in the league, which is, is rarefied air, relatively speaking, for Clemson basketball. But... You know, um, and and it had some quad one victories, um, but it was the, this season was defined by the losses, and the losses are what kept Clemson out of the NCAA tournament. It kept them on the bubble, even despite the fact that they were a top four team in the conference. The loss to South Carolina early in the season, South Carolina turned out to be a very bad basketball team. Uh, the Tigers also lost to a ten and twenty one. Um, uh, Loyola of Chicago team, and then probably the nail in the coffin for Clemson's uh, NCAA uh, hopes uh, were dashed when the Tigers lost to Louisville, which uh, was just an atrocious basketball team this year. And it was the unlike in the past few years where Clemson had no marquee wins, and that's why they didn't get in the tournament. It this year it was Clemson had really bad losses, and that was the difference. And you're you hit it. Uh, Brad Brownell continues to remain uh, on the hot seat. Although on the recruiting and the transfer portal side of things, Clemson has done pretty well there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. But they they roped us into it. I, I was feeling it. And, and I was behind it, and I was excited for Clemson basketball, but it, it certainly ended with a thud. Jeff, you're up, friend. Thank you for the good answer, Scott. All right, Scott. And just, you know, one last look at Clemson basketball. Um, Hunter Tyson, he's off to a heck of a start um, in the summer league, scoring 21 points in his, his debut a couple days ago for, for the – Denver Nuggets. So uh, I, I know a lot of people, you know, didn't expect him to to get drafted. He had a fine senior season, uh, all ACC player. But um, man, the way he has improved his game over the last uh, 20 months of basketball um, and looked great in his opening game as a as a Denver Nugget. Yeah, I've been I've been surprised by that as well. Uh, and I didn't think he had the the frame, the body. Uh, to play in the NBA, you know, he's a very, very slim guy. I mean, you certainly uh, can can shoot the ball. We know that. Um, but he has started off very well for Denver. Very happy for him. And, uh, and again, I think uh, he's a guy that if, if a team will give a little patience to him, let him develop, I think he could be a guy who can contribute at the NBA level. Yeah, great, great start for Tyson. All right, uh, Scott, let's turn our attention to football what are some of the major strengths coming back for Clemson football this year? Well, I, I think you there, there, there are several. Um, I, I certainly certainly think Clemson's going to be uh, a little better defensively than than we were last year. Uh, it was a transition year, of course. It was a transition uh, transition year in coaching when Brent Venables left uh, to go to Oklahoma, and I still contend, uh, and I've said this on this podcast, he was the best defensive coordinator in the country. And you just don't lose that type of talent when it comes to understanding how to build around a defense and and not feel it. And Clemson certainly felt it, but it had more. T- it, it part of it was Brent Venables certainly, uh, but the other part of it was that. Clemson was very inexperienced on the back end and in the secondary. And early in the season, you, you may recall, 
Uh, Clemson had a, had a shootout against Wake Forest, a, a team that was in the top 15, Wake Forest was at the time up in Winston-Salem. And it was just a game where, where you, you were exposed in the secondary, not because of, of talent necessarily, but because of inexperience, uh, especially at the cornerback positions, uh, where, you know, guys like Jalen Phillips and, uh, and Nate Wiggins and, and, and Malcolm Green were really exposed, uh, Toriano Pride in that game. Those guys grew up as the year went on. And so Clemson's going to be much better on the back end and the secondary, uh, on defense. And, and then I think, uh, there's, there's some stars up front that Clemson can be dominant, uh, on the, on the defensive line, uh, as well. So I, I think the defense has improved, uh, moving into 2023. I think there's still a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. I think much of the attention, uh, was at the quarterback position when, you know, finally Clemson transitioned away from DJ Uyunglele, who now uh, play out on the West Coast, and Cade Klubnik became the starter uh, for the Orange Bowl, but basically took over uh, after the first couple of series in the ACC championship against North Carolina. And certainly, uh, Cade, I think, brings a different um uh, a dimension to to the quarterback position, but there are a lot of question marks on uh, the offensive side of the ball, wide receiver for Clemson. Still, I still think there's some question marks up front uh, on the offensive line. Clemson's going to be very good at running back, and I believe this will be a team that that relies heavily on the run game for most of the at least the early part of the year until we see whether or not we've got some wide receivers that can emerge. All right. Um, now, if you go on the flip side, Scott, what are some of the major weaknesses? And you mentioned them a little bit um, from the previous question. Um, but in other words, what do you think the Tigers will be working on in August before the first game? You know, what are the questions that you think have to be resolved to have a successful season? Well, and I think, you know, that, that that's a loaded question because you said a successful season. Most would say winning an ACC championship is a successful season, <laughs> you know, and, and there was certainly a time where that was the case uh, for Clemson, uh, but the bar has been raised and you, you want to be in the playoffs and this will be the last year of the 14 playoffs. And then, and then uh, winning a conference championship will almost certainly get you into the 18 playoff when that, when that happens. But um, you know, Clemson won national championships, even even if you go back to 1981, which is going way back, okay? Uh, Clemson was very good at wide receiver. Perry Tuttle, uh, back in 1981, really led the Tigers. And then when you, when you look at the two national championships and even the playoff runs where Clemson didn't win the national championship uh, over the, that span of six years, it was because Clemson had superior wide receivers. You think of the guys like Hunter Renfro and Mike Williams, um, uh, Justin Ross, uh, T. Higgins. These are these are guys that uh, are Tava Scott. Uh, these are guys that simply dominated football games, could win one-on-one matchups, and you had quarterbacks who could deliver the ball uh, to them on time, both with Deshaun Watson and Trevor uh, Lawrence. But it was the wide... What made Clemson elite was the elite play of the wide receivers. And that just doesn't exist, I don't think, at Clemson. It certainly hadn't over the past two years. Uh, there, there's hope maybe that some of the new guys coming in will be that way. But, you know, Bo Collins is your most experienced wide receiver and a very solid guy, uh, but not Mike Williams. And and he's he, he doesn't fit that same build, uh, or T. Higgins, for that matter. Uh, but Bo Collins is a guy that I think you can depend on. And 
after that, you, you start getting into a, a bunch of guys that still have a lot to prove. Uh, Antonio Williams uh, had some moments uh, uh, as uh, Brandon Spector has been hurt. Uh, Troy Stilato, um, uh, Cole Turner, who kind of came on late in the season. But there are major questions at the wide receiver uh, position that would, and, and when I say major questions, major questions about whether you have the kind of wide receivers who can win national championships for you as opposed to can you win an ACC championship or can you win 10 games? These guys are good enough to win 9, 10 games, probably good enough to compete and maybe win an ACC championship. But there's a different level that you have to be at to win a national championship. And for the last two years, Clemson hasn't had the wide receivers to make that happen. I don't know that Clemson has the wide receivers this year to make it happen. Uh, but that's why you play the game. You got new guys coming in, and we'll probably talk about a few of those uh, in, in some future questions. So we'll see. But to me, wide receiver is the difference right now in Clemson being a playoff team or not being a playoff team. And and you know, looking at the names, looking at the the, the work that, that has been put in, uh, the body of work that has been put in, I, I think we're a half step behind. Uh, uh, you know, being in that top four in terms of playmakers at the wide receiver position. All right. Um, Scott, who, who are some of the new recruits or or players? And I know Clemson, you know, still hadn't, uh, you know, d didn't get a lot of players from the transfer portal. But, you know, are there any that have impressed you the most? And are there are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away, either recruits or uh, transfer portal players? Well, I talked about the offensive side of the ball, uh, so I'll finish the thought of that on the offensive side of the ball. And you mentioned the transfer portal. That that's not, you know, Dabo has, uh, you know, that hasn't been an area of emphasis for him at all. And see, you know, he's kind of drawn that line in the sand, and he's a culture guy, which you all know that, and uh, he just believes that the idea of, you know, you've you've been in our program, um, you've paid the dues, you've you're out there on the on the mat drills right now, and you're doing all the things you need to do. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to bring somebody in, in in August and take your spot. He just doesn't believe that's the way to build a culture of a football program. Um, you know, that's much uh, consternation, quite frankly, between Clemson Nation. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people who think Coach Sweeney should do more in the portal. Uh, but for now, He's not doing that. Uh, he's only doing it very sparingly and in very specific situations. But on the offensive side of the ball, I think a guy to watch from uh, the recruiting standpoint, it's hard to hard to uh, expect anything from true freshmen um, in terms of, of being game changers for you. But I, I think at wide receiver, a guy like Noble Johnson is someone whom um, I think – is, is somebody to watch because Clemson's so desperate for playmakers at the wide receivers position. So I would, I would take a close look at Noble uh, uh, coming in. I think he's got the frame to be really, really good at wide receiver speed as well. How quickly he picks up the offense and, 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 uh, and gels with Cade Klubnick, we'll see. Uh, I, I think also Clemson uh, needs to develop a, a true backup to Cade Klubnick. I mean, Chris Vizina comes in. Uh, you mentioned the transfer portal. Paul Tyson's an example of uh, uh, coming in as well at quarterback. So uh, is Chris Vizina ready to be the number two guy? Clemson also has Hunter Helms, uh, who looked very good in the spring as well. But, you know, the job's obviously Cade Klubnick's, but you've got to have depth at uh, quarterback, I think, because you just never know when these guys get banked up. 
On the flip side, though, um, Clemson has a chance if the guys that are coming in are as advertised. I think Clemson has an opportunity to be elite defensively this year, and you can win a lot of football games by being elite defensively. And the the first one that you have to look at, um, and he will be on the field game one, barring injury and and possibly starting, but certainly going to get plenty of playing time, is defensive tackle Peter Woods, um, who is just awed people in the spring. And and Dabo Sweeney's very slow to praise true freshmen, especially in the spring when they graduate early and come in. But, uh, you know, P- Peter Woods has uh, received all the accolades uh, from Dabo Sweeney uh, that one would get that that you just really believe he's going to have a major impact. And then uh, there's some linebackers, D. Creighton and Jamal Anderson. I'm also curious to see if Clemson can provide a little depth in the secondary. I think there's some guys, Robert Billings, a strong safety um, that, that's coming in, I think, is a guy that, that uh, Clemson will have uh, a, a, a close eye on. Brandon Strozier also at cornerback. I think there's a lot more bodies on the defensive side of the field that could make a major impact in in year one than it is on the offensive side. But uh, I I think if these guys on defense pan out as we think they may, I think this is going to be a very, very good defensive football team. All right, Scott. Here in our next segment, we want to ask you, what are the two most important games for Clemson this year, the two most pivotal games? Analyze those games uh, for us here as, as as much as you can at this point in the season um, and then give us what you think will be Clemson's overall record. I think a lot of people are mistakenly putting too much emphasis on September 23rd when Florida State comes to Death Valley. Now, I think it's a huge matchup uh, and Florida State, I think, is ready. I, I think almost ready to turn the corner. We'll see. You know, you, until you do it, you, you, you know, it, it leaves it leaves questions out there, right? But but uh, the Knowles come to Clemson on September 23rd. Um, Mike Norvell, I think, has done a great job there. I, I think they're a very good football team, and I think it's going to be a war on September 23rd. But I think people are putting a little too much focus on that game because under the new Atlantic Coast Conference rules uh, that are for this year, which, first of all, compliments to the Atlantic Coast Conference for doing this, the divisions are now gone. And so the two best teams in the conference, regardless of whether you were an Atlantic division or a coastal division, now will play for an Atlantic Coast Conference championship. And so um, while the September 23rd game is important, it isn't like it was under the divisional format where if Clemson beats Florida State, now Florida State is in essence two games behind Clemson in the Atlantic Division. Well, that won't matter this year. You can lose in that September 23rd game. If you run the table the rest of the way, you'll be back in the conference championship game more than likely. And it may be a rematch between uh, Clemson and Florida State. I know a lot of people are thinking that. So when I look at the season, I don't look at the September 23rd game because one of those two teams is going to lose. The The season will be defined by what you do outside of that game. And and if you do, if you take care of business outside of that game, you'll meet again in December in Charlotte. So I'll speak just to Clemson. I'm not going to analyze Florida State. I think a lot of people are looking too quickly past the opener uh, at Duke uh, and Wallace Wade um, uh, on September uh, the 4th. Uh, this, is a, this is a Duke team that 
um, while probably not um, ta- talent-wise, you know, bones for bones, uh, as talented as Clemson, it's a team that is, uh, I think, under under Mike Elko that that is is sure uh, they're going to be better defensively. Their strength, I think, is going to be in the secondary, which I think is is interesting to see if Clemson could run the ball in Wallace Way. But it's the opening game. And, you know, you've got a new offensive coordinator in Garrett Riley. You've got a basically a new quarterback in Kay Klubnick. Um, I think that's one that you got to kind of keep an eye on if you're the Tigers. And then I, I go a little bit further down the schedule um, in the conference, and that is uh, in Raleigh uh, on October the 28th. Uh, NC State has consistently uh, played Clemson very well over the past few years. Uh, the Tigers have been fortunate to win some of those games. Now the Tigers, you know, really, you know, kind of kind of played their best game probably of the season uh, last year against NC State and, and, and at home and, and won relatively easily. But uh, the, they lost two years ago in, in Raleigh. Uh, I think that's a game that's late October, the last weekend of October. That's a game I think I've got penciled in. Uh, and then, of course, North Carolina at home on November the 18th, the final uh, regular season conference game for the Tigers. You know, Clemson and North Carolina have kind of knocked heads in the ACC championship a couple of times over the past few years. Uh, we'll see what Mac Brown has. I think there's been some some losses there um, that, that bring into question uh, whether or not they're as good as they were uh, last year. But they've got a great quarterback, I can tell you that. And when you've got a great quarterback, you can be a great football team. So, I think outside of the Florida State game more, I look at the Duke-NC State and North Carolina games as the key games that will define whether Clemson will be back in the Atlantic Coast Conference Championship playing for a title or are just on the outside of that or with multiple losses where even with a conference championship, you don't have a chance for the playoffs. So those other three games other than the Florida State game on the 23rd are the key to me. All right. Very good, Scott. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we close out the podcast. And, you know, I'm just let everyone know that I will be listening to the Tiger pregame show. I've been a big fan for a, a long time, Scott. So enjoy that. Enjoy that show when, when I'm on the way to Clemson games on Saturdays. Well, I appreciate I appreciate that. I appreciate you listening, and and I really appreciate what you guys do uh, with the podcast. It's great to talk uh, football. It's great to talk basketball, and uh, especially in the summer months. And it always it always gets me excited to, to get going and 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 play. And look, um, I, I think this is a new era for the Atlantic Coast Conference football. I mean, when you take the top two teams, regardless of the divisions, I think that opens things up. Um, for a lot more competition, especially late in the season. I think we're going to see more excitement in some of those late-season games because um, the divisional uh, criteria is no longer in play. So I'm excited for it. I think we're in for a great uh, 2023 uh, ACC and college football season. So this is Matthew again. One more football question here. Scott, Give us the, this is kind of the global state here question, right? Give us the state of the Clemson football program. Now, what are bloggers and fans thinking right now on the status of the program? I mean, they have to be feeling pretty good because, you know, Debo isn't far removed from national titles, right? And he wins the, he wins the AC, it wins the ACC. But I just want, I just want to get your take on, we just want to get your take on the pulse of the program. 
I appreciate that. Um, it, I, it, this is almost embarrassing to say, and, and, and I mean that with sincerity because I've, I've spent many years watching, I've, I've been following Clemson football since 1976. That's the first season I can remember games from. And what I'm about to say for, for the vast majority of those day, uh, day years, uh, I would have looked at myself saying that and saying, you're, you're, an, you're a fool. You're a fool for saying what you're about to say. And, and, but, but, it is true uh, in that the the six-year run of college football playoffs that included two national championships uh, since 2000 and, uh, you know, the run began in, in, in 2015 uh, has really changed the arc of Clemson football in terms of expectations. And um, the ACC championship was great last year, and I, I, I will never walk away from winning an ACC championship or a conference championship and not feel good. I, I think that's that's poisonous if you don't uh, respect and and and, um, and 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 enjoy that moment. And I enjoyed uh, that moment very much, especially coming off the loss of South Carolina in the regular season finale. But right now, until until you go through enough years of where you haven't been around it, it's playoffs or, or bust. I mean, that's really what it's turned into, and it has been a frustrating two years. Uh, there's no criticism to the, uh, I, I say, global criticism to the coaching staff. I mean, I think Coach Sweeney has has certainly um, uh, earned every bit of respect that he has for the pro uh, for, from the fans. So it's not this isn't a we're upset with the coach kind of feeling. It is we're upset with the performance, and I think a lot of that was due to the past two years being a real struggle offensively. Whether that was pinpointed to one or two or ten things, it doesn't matter. Uh, but when you add up the, the quarterback play with DJ Uyangale, you, you you put together offensive coordinator changes, you put together uh, a lack of talent at wide receiver. When you put all that into the bowl there, it was a tremendously frustrating two-year stretch uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I think there is, there is a healthy level of where – pleased with what we see but this is not what we expect we expect to be back in the college football playoffs and i think uh until you get back there that's the expectation and then again guys let's let's not forget this this is the last year of the four teams and so you know when it goes to eight teams and really by winning a conference championship you almost guarantee yourself or you will in essence guarantee yourself a chance a, a slot in the top eight it's going to be the expectation of Clemson is going to be and going to continue to be get into the college football playoffs. That's rare air. I understand that. I, and I've been on the other side of that. So, I mean, I, I know it sounds foolish to say, well, all, if you don't make the four, top four, it's, it's not a successful season. I understand how people who have not been through what we've been through these past six years would say, you sound crazy, Scott. And even, even Scott from 1995 or 1997 would say the same thing. But that's the bar that had been set and by Dabo Sweeney. So it's it's playoffs or bust is not the right word, but it's playoffs or somewhat disappointment uh, because because that's the bar that has been set to win national championships. And I agree with you, Scott, and I think Jeff does too. Because I mean, at least on the how does it, how do we say it? Like if I, I, Jeff, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but if we go back even to the Ball Alliance before the BCS, if you were undefeated, you got into the college football playoff. And nine times out of 10, if or even 99 times out of 100, if Clemson is undefeated and they win their conference, even in this new new, new, uh, new era, 
they're going to they're going to be in the in, into the into the college football playoffs. So I I agree with that, Scott. Jeff. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that, um, Matthew. If you if you're in a Power Five conference, if you're undefeated, there no matter what gets said, I would say during the playoff discussion, there's you're not getting left out of out of the playoff. And then with the expansion, um, which I think is definitely going to enhance it, there would be no chance of it happening under any circumstance. And like Scott said, uh, even a, a one or two loss team, it's going to be ranked in the top 12. Absolutely. 1000%. Open microphone time, Scott, the floor is yours. What do you got for us? Well, I, I, again, just thanks. Thank you guys for, for, for what you do. And I know it's a lot of work to put it together and you got a great following and I'm glad you invite me in every week. And, and I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave you with this. Um, you know, when we talk conferences and, and, and we talk, uh, the new playoff era and all this conference realignment talk and all those things, I still believe there's a path forward. Um, for the Atlantic Coast Conference, I've always been um, a supporter of that. You know, there's going to need to be some things that happen, I think, from a financial standpoint that has to make this competitive for teams like Clemson and Florida State and and and, and those teams that might be lured away from the conference. I, I, I think there's a way uh, there, there, there's a financial gap right now that potentially could happen and uh, that, that, that puts uh, teams like Clemson and Florida State and maybe some others in some some disadvantage. But I believe there's a path forward. I believe the expansion of the playoff helps that. Uh, I think it helps the stability of the conferences because I think that allows you an automatic bid into the playoffs if you win your conference. And I think uh, th that's uh, that's key. But but I'll say this, and 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 I'm all for players. I'm all for student athletes. Um, I, I wasn't a, uh, a fan of um, uh, the, the name likeness, uh, you know, in paying players and, and, and then being able to make money. I wasn't a fan of that, but I could I could live with it. I wasn't it wouldn't have been my vote, but I could live with it. What, what I can't live with right now and what has to be fixed in college football to some degree in whatever manner needs to be fixed is the transfer portal and the rules behind the transfer portal. We can't become a free agent uh, system of players who just don't like their situation and can move without penalty. I believe players should be able to transfer at any time. I think there's some uh, legitimacy to if coach coaching changes happen, that players should be given a free pass to transfer but I believe the transfer portal must include time sitting out from football games, whether that's an entire season or half a season. There must be some accountability to the transfer portal. What we're dealing with right now is the Wild Wild West. It's players who aren't happy with their situation. They transfer to another school. Maybe that works for them. Maybe it doesn't. It's just not good for the game. And I think there's some regulation that needs to be done with that if we're going to continue to have what I think is the greatest sport in all of sports, uh, the transfer portal is chipping away, I think, a little bit at that. So I'm going to give you a follow-up question then on that, on that, Scott. Who do you – I don't want to sell like I'm being snarky here, so forgive me. And it's not directed towards you, but who do you think should regulate that? Because I think the NCAA has probably not done that great in that area. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, their, their job is to do so. They don't do a very good job of doing that. And they haven't done that even with 
um, you know, the previous cheatings and, you know, the, all the stuff that's happened over the years. Uh, they've been a, a, an organization uh, that, that has uh, v- very poorly, I think, overseen uh, the college football landscape. I believe this thing, if you're going to fix it, whatever that fix is, and, and maybe there's, maybe even my ideas aren't the best ideas. I think you you put people in the room. I think this gets fixed, though, with coaches. Uh, and I think you get the coaches to agree, uh, you know, and I'm talking about your leaders in the coaching department. Uh, and they say, this is what we're going to do. And I think this is the, the right thing to do. And they come up with those uh, 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 rules. Uh, you still have to have the NCAA enforce them and, uh, and have the oversight of it. But to me, I think we've got a lot of great minds in the coaching field. I think we've got a lot of great people in the coaching field now, I mean, you know, there's certainly those that are in it for the wrong reasons, but I think more of them are in, in it for the right reasons. And I think the solution lies with letting the coaches set the parameters for this, include student athlete voice in that. I don't think I have no problem with that, but but uh, there there has to be some type of way that you you create a system. And here's the thing, and and. Uh, I, I, let, let's just let's just put this into one perspective. You're you're a you're a Division One athlete. You're a you're an offensive lineman at, at Clemson University, and I'll just use Clemson as an example. You know, you came in, you redshirted your first year. Uh, you got some playing time that freshman year, your your redshirt freshman year, but you were behind an All ACC guy, so you got some mop up duty. He graduates and goes on to the NFL. You're the next guy in line, and you've been there now two years into the program. And some cases three years into the program if this if you fast forward it one more year and now you're going to bring a guy in from the transfer portal to fill his spot who has paid none of those dues for not only the university and and let's not forget this is still a university system they're getting college degrees in this in, in this system right and you've been in class you've been doing all the right things and now we're going to bring some somebody else in who's done none of those things not at clemson and they take your spot I just don't think that's a healthy way to build young men, much less football programs. I, I think there's got to be some regulation in that. I'm with you, Scott. I'm going to use my open microphone, and then we'll get to Jeff on on his open mic. But I want to ask, and I, I actually I want to ask both you and Jeff this question: Northwestern. <laughs> what do you think, Scott? Well, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Jeff dominate this because I don't know I don't know enough to not know. Okay, so I know what I've read, but I've also learned that you gotta <laughs> what you read sometimes is not the whole story there. Uh, but it, it appears. To, let me say this as a leader in in my own uh, full time job, um, you always want to make. You want to be cautious in any decisions you make. You don't need to make a decision today that doesn't need to be made today. You want to get all the facts. You want to have all that in case. Um, I don't know what happened at Northwestern. Jeff, you may know more about it than I do, but I, I think it seems to me a lot of triggers were pulled a little maybe too quick without getting all of that information on the table. Jeff, what do you think, Fred? Yeah, um, Kind of an ugly situation there at Northwestern. Um, I'll, I've also not been in, in the in the details, like reading every article, but I've, I've read a couple things, and um, 
I, I will say I was kind of surprised that um, they fired Fitzgerald today. Um, it did seem like a significant number of, of players were, were coming to his defense. Um, there were also, you know, the, the, the players that brought up the, the allegations, uh, kind of a program with the hazing that got out of control and uh, other things. Um, yeah, I think my only opinion on that, I kind of agree with Scott. Um, it, it seemed like they came to that, the conclusion to let Fitzgerald go really quickly. So maybe they, maybe they had some, something more internal that made the decision for them, but from the outside looking in it, it seemed to be really quick that that decision was made. I'll see. And I think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that's fair, Jeff, too, to say, you know, we, we don't know what they know. And I think that's the other point. I think that's an excellent point you made. There may be things that they don't feel compelled to release, nor should it be released, that they know. And that's why they made their decision. So that's a very fair point uh, to that. I just think the irony of the whole thing, it's Northwestern. I mean, it's Northwestern. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's just it's it seems like the oddest place that you would have this type these types of allegations uh, emerge. You know, I think what was interest what was pretty, I mean, pretty interesting out of this. I mean, I'm 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 an academic, right? Jeff no, Jeff knows that, and that the student journalism at that school broke the internet. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing job job done by these kids that are like 19 and 20 years old. And it appeared to me that the presidential administration there didn't really know anything about any of it. And so it was a pretty impressive job by people that are probably going to find job, you know, probably they're probably going to be there. That's our future journalism leaders around, around the country. So I thought, I thought, I, I thought, I thought that that was, I thought that that was pretty interesting. So, uh, Jeff, friend, you're up with your open. Yeah, I'm just going to follow up one thing that that Scott said that I was really, really glad to hear because it's it's something that we've kind of talked about too. Um, you know, all this this rash of realignment stuff, and you know, the ACC dissolving, and you know, teams in new places by by 2026, and all this, and you know, we've always maintained that. There, there will be, you know, no movement in the ACC because of, you know, the grant of rights for, for several years. Doesn't mean teams aren't looking. We know that they that they are and that they're looking out for their own best interest. But I love what, what you said, Scott, that, I mean, you brought a sense of, you know, objectivity to this to say, you know, there's a potential path forward for the ACC. And, and we've kind of, we've, we've kind of thought that too, especially given that, the conference will be together over the next several years. And if that path that we're talking, that you're talking about is not found in the next five, six, seven years, you know, then wh whatever will be, will be. And it, it probably won't be that great of an outcome for the ACC if in, you know, seven, eight years, absolutely nothing happens, but they, they have the gift of time. You know, Jim Phillips in the ACC have time to figure this thing out. You know, that it was a bad deal. Everyone, understands that 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 he inherited but when you have five six seven years to come up with a solution uh you can't blame your predecessor because you've had the time to figure it out and you know and i you know i would like to hear some of his his plans that's a, that's always been a that's been another 
um, I wouldn't say criticism, but something we've looked for from, from Jim Phillips is what is the plan exactly? So we're just going to assume he's working on something and working on that path. But, you know, it's good to hear from someone to say, hey, you know, let's pump the brakes on things just a little bit because it's not going to happen. You know, not, nothing catastrophic is going to happen in the next year or two. That's right. You, time is your friend here. And and there is a tipping point uh, for all of this because and, and even look at ESPN and uh, and Disney and some of the things that are happening at some point you're, you you run you run it's kind of like the old you know I, I don't know if you guys study uh, 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 the history history of wars but you know you can be on the offensive in a war and you can outrun your supply line right and then and then you're stuck right you don't you don't have the fuel to do what you need to do and so this money can't continue to flow at the exponential rate that it's going right now. So at some point, these conferences that are that are getting all this money for TV deals and so forth, it, it can't continue to grow. So if that's if if there is a cap to that, and there most certainly is a cap to that. I mean, I think I think Disney is struggling. There's some there's some issues at Disney, and that impacts directly ESPN to say, okay, we we can't continue to pay this amount of money. Well, okay. So then let's say that starts to back off a little bit or it doesn't grow at the rate it has been grown. And now you're sitting in an 18-team conference or 20-team conference or whatever they're going to want to do. Well, you know, that pie is going to start shrinking a little bit. So time is on your side. The Atlantic Coast Conference has got to do better. You mentioned that. Uh, Jim Phillips has got to do uh, get a better deal. But I don't think this is a decision you have to make today. I think the long game is the game to play. College football is changing. So if you would have told me five years ago that there was a transfer report and we were playing players, I'd have said, you have lost your mind. I mean, it, it, it was so foreign to me five years ago, but that's where we are right now. So play the long game. Uh, and and let's see what this 18 playoff does, and let's see how the Atlantic Coast Conference matches up in that playoff, and and then I think there's you know uh, as you as you as you mentioned, um, uh, time could create a path forward for the conference, and and I certainly hope that they'll will, and that we'll and they will find a way forward. Very good, sir. Thank you for joining us on the All Sports Discussion ACC Podcast. Scott Reimer, we loved having you come on the show. Before we go, anything you want to plug? All I want to plug is appreciation for you guys. And, of course, as always, go Tigers. And you're on the Tiger pregame show. It's uh, Your Twitter account is at Tiger Pregame. You host the Tiger pregame show on WCCP 105.5 FM in the upstate of South Carolina, and you run tigerpregameshow.blogspot.com. I'll put it out there, too, for you again. Thanks again for joining us, Scott. Have a great evening, guys. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Take care.